Welcome to my podcast, Dating Over 50, The Pleasures and the Perils. One thing I can promise for every episode, I will be authentic about my experiences and observations and do it with as much humor as possible. Not always possible, but generally speaking, it is. Beyond that, I will keep making the point that we're all in this together and that no one should ever, ever feel alone or judged in any way. I think we can all agree that dating over 50 is hard enough as it is. After you listen, you're welcome to comment on my Lynn Garson author page on Facebook. But for now, keep listening for another new episode. Hi, it's me again, Lynn Garson. Welcome to episode number five of Dating Over 50, The Pleasures and the Perils. I promised you last time that now I would start talking about my book, Sex and the Single Grandma, and I always keep my promises. Well, I mean, almost always, but I'm definitely keeping this one. And I thought about taking each of the five men I describe in the book and talking about what worked, what didn't work, lessons learned, and things like that. But instead, I've decided to talk about these experiences in a more integrated kind of way. So what I'm going to do is pick a theme and discuss how it runs through a number of my different dating experiences and what I learned once I identified that pattern. So far, I've identified four different themes. And the first I'm going to talk about today, but I'm going to tell you what all four of them are right now. So the first is neediness and rushing it. The second is not speaking up for myself. If anybody's read the book, I think they can relate to that. The third is overlooking reality in favor of the fantasy. Again, if anybody's read the book, yeah, you know about that one. And the fourth is not owning my own self-worth. So today I'm going to talk about neediness and rushing it. And when I thought back over the book, it seemed to me that that ran through four different situations. It ran through my, uh, if you'll call it a relationship such as it was with Alan, with George, with Richard, and with Zane. So four out of the five, there was that element in it. Um, And I'll describe each one and how I thought that showed up and then talk about it a little bit um, more generically, uh, you know, in the sense of talking about all four at once. So Alan, the first chapter or the first part of the book, um, in that case, we did get to know each other over a period of time. He did live out of town, so we really didn't see each other very much, but we talked on the phone. But in fact, I'd only had a few dates with him before I sailed off to spend the night at his house out of town. And we all know how well that worked out. George, I don't know, what was it, two days, maybe three before I went with him to the mountains? You know, that sort of speaks for itself. Uh, Richard, it was all of two dates before I went herring off to wherever he lived outside of Atlanta to play nurse to him, or at least to see what was going on with him. And Zane, well, all righty then. I signed on for a weekend in New York with a man who was virtually a total stranger after maybe two dates. So, you know, you see a pattern. I certainly do see a pattern there. And my question is, what did they have in common? What did that generate in me? Why did I do this with these four different guys? So, 
I think what it was is, you know, you go out with a lot of different people and there is no connection. I mean, zero. It's just, you know, you can get up and leave the table anytime and you're just being polite to stay through the end of the meal or the cup of coffee or the drink or whatever it is. So in these four cases, I made more of a connection. I felt more of a connection. Now, granted, that was after a couple of dates, three dates, but I felt it. I felt like this person was on the same wavelength as I was. And that one thing sort of flips me into overdrive, or it has in the past. I will run headlong into a relationship the minute I feel that that connection, because then I flip into, this is it, this is it, this is the guy. Well, why do I do that? Why, why would I do that? And I think part of the reason is I am so ready to get off that hamster wheel of dating. And anybody who's listening to this who has been on that hamster wheel, I'm sure you can relate to that. You know, I don't think anybody loves dating for the sake of dating. Now, I used to carry it a step further, and I used to literally be panic-stricken that I was getting too old. So it's interesting that that was about 10 years ago when I was at the height of that. And I actually feel less panic-stricken about not having time left at 65 than I did at 55, which, you know, is just sort of an interesting commentary on how life and, and our, our sort of behaviors and emotions can work. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, even now, I do get sick of dating, and I do just want it to be over, you know, just over. Where's the guy, the guy? Just, you know, put him in front of me, drop him through the keyhole, send him through the chimney, you know, just just let him show up. Let me just open the door and let him be there. And it's too bad that life doesn't really work that way. Um, and I think what's interesting to me is the younger people get it. They amaze me. They might move in together after two years of dating, maybe. They might get engaged after two more years, maybe two, maybe three, maybe even four. They might get married a year after that. So they put in the time. And I think when those folks get married, they know very well who the person is that they're marrying. And they're a lot smarter than I am. And probably, maybe they're, they're smarter because they watched people like me screw it up for years and decided that they weren't going to do it the same way. If that's the case, good for them. You know, really good for them. Because I think I could take a page out of their books. I certainly hope that the people listening to this do it differently now and, and hopefully even in the past than I have done in the past. Because being needy and wanting it to be over, for me, you can see. I've counted four different guys out of five, and the fifth was a ridiculous thing. That was the cougar thing. Um, you know, where, where this got me into trouble. Because you can't manufacture a relationship much as I would like to. I really wish I could go onto eBay and just put something in the search engine and out pops a guy. And I mean, who knows? Maybe someday we'll be able to do that. And, you know, when I think about it now, it sounds good, but it also sounds pretty awful. Uh, because, you know, the human element is, after all, important. It's just I need to slow myself down. And I know that I need to do that. 
Uh, it's just a matter of doing it. And I will say that in my current dating in, over the last, oh, six months maybe, I have gotten a lot more relaxed about it. And I've talked about that in past episodes. Um, I'm not really rushing it and I'm not so needy that, you know, if, if somebody is not a match for me that I push anyway, which I did in some of these cases. Uh, you know, I'll talk to people, I'll get to know them, and I really don't have the same agenda that I used to have. My agenda 10 years ago, frankly, was to get married. That was the agenda, you know, that was it. And I didn't want anything less, and that was what I wanted. Now, I don't have much of an agenda. I really, the agenda, I guess, is that I would like to meet somebody. I don't love being alone. I think I've made no secret about that. Um, but I would like to meet somebody, and if it's somebody who goes to the movies with me, that's fine. If it's somebody who lives out of town and we see each other, you know, a few weekends or, or whatever, several, two weekends a month or something, that would be fine. Because let's let's look at this. I have now been on my own for a lot of years. I don't need somebody on top of me, and that's like literally or figuratively uh, at all times. I don't even think I would enjoy that. I don't want somebody who is waiting for me every second of every day to do something. In fact, I thought it was really interesting, and I don't know if I've mentioned this before, I think I did, that I spoke with um, a man, just a guy that I ran into, happened to be exactly the same age at my shoe repair place. And he said that one of the main questions, two, two things that he gets asked uh, from all the women that he's gone out with and, and messaged on the dating websites is, are you retired? And if not, when will you be? And the, the idea, I think, is that they want this person that they're going to date to be retired. And if they're not, you know, the clock's ticking and when are you going to be retired because you're supposed to go around, I guess, and play with me and, and do things with me and all that. Well, I'm not retired. Um, I'm still practicing law pretty full-time, although it's considered part-time, but part-time for, you know, practicing law at the firm I'm at is basically 40 hours a week and, and that's fine with me. Uh, I'm also promoting the book. I am also still doing work as a mental health advocate. And I am not interested at all in somebody who's retired. In fact, I'd rather they, if they're retired, they better have something to fill their lives with because it's not going to be me. So, you know, not I'm not there to fill somebody else's void. I think I've also made that clear. So, you know, that part is interesting. Um, so I don't have that agenda anymore. I, and I don't have the agenda that, that somebody's going to be with me at all times. And it may, in fact, end up being more than one person. Maybe I meet one person who loves to go to rock concerts, which I absolutely adore and still do at all times. Um, just signed up for a Neil Young tribute concert, which if you can't get the real thing, tribute band is definitely the next best thing. Very excited about that. I'm going to see Adam Lambert and Queen when they come through Atlanta in August. Very excited about that. And I really don't have a concert buddy at this point. I did. Wonderful, wonderful guy. He got married. His wife, guess what? You know, can you believe it? Is his concert buddy now, not me. Um, I don't resent it, but just a little bit. I understand. But I'm looking for a new concert buddy. So that would be great. 
Uh, I love movies. Not everybody likes to go to the movies. I could see going out with somebody for that purpose. And I could see just going out with somebody, uh, the whole spectrum, dating, dating casually. Um, friends with benefits is not really my thing. It's sort of, you know, I'm, I'm just not that person. I think we established that with the Cougar episode. But short of that, really almost anything. And yeah, I, I would consider marriage. I mean, I think it's highly unlikely, frankly, but I don't have anything against it. I just don't see it coming along in my life at this point. But, you know, um, I've been surprised before. I might be surprised again. So, you know, I'm just not feeling as needy as I did before. And that is a very good feeling. There is one single person in my life, and not really in my life once you hear this story, about whom I still have that needy, needy feeling. It's an unlikely person, hadn't been, never dated this guy, but somehow something in me latched on to something in him or some perceived something in him. And I have set myself the task of not communicating with this man in any way, shape, or form until such time as I can hear his name or, or consider having a conversation without that lurch in my stomach. And the time is not yet. And it's probably been five years. It may never happen. And if it doesn't, oh, well, you know, there's one guy out there. I liked him a lot. He was a good friend at one time. I can survive without talking to him again. What I don't want is to ever, ever suffer that feeling again where I am at the mercy of just such angst and such desperation. You know, that never ends well for me. So I've sort of signed off on that one. I'm not going to be doing that anymore. Uh, so if you can relate to any of this, I invite you to comment on the Lynn Garson author Facebook page as distinguished. I have a Lynn Garson personal page. Don't comment on that. Comment on the Lynn Garson author Facebook page. Um, and I've got one final note, one final thing that I wanted to say that I know I haven't said before, or at least not in this way. So why do I assume that there are other women out there like me? Why do I assume that anybody out there acts like me or thinks like me or has experiences like this and and questions themselves and and you know sort of looks at the patterns and thinks about it? I will tell you the answer to that, and I know you knew that I would. So years ago, I used to think that I was terminally unique. I mean, I was the most unique thing on the face of the earth. There was nobody like me. And bit by bit, I came to see that whatever happened, whatever my generation reacted to, not only was I right there in the mix, but if there's a bell curve on this kind of thing, I was on the late side of the bell curve. So if my generation, if I was thinking it, feeling it, looking at it, talking about it, I knew, trust me, that other people in my generation were doing the same. I must be the most average baby boomer that was ever born. Okay, so be it. I'm not terminally unique. I'm an average baby boomer. I've had to get used to that fact because I have seen time and time and time again that it's true. So that is what enables me to also say to every one of you out there that we are all in this together. I know it's not just me. 
I know it for a fact. We are all in this together, and we will all get through the trials and tribulations of dating together. So until next time, take care. (laughs) 